This was kind of the Friday song for a couple of minutes, but we're working on that new Friday music. We'll get to that tomorrow, but um, Harry is important to play because he's from um, England, and the Queen, I'm sure by now you've heard, has died. 96 years old, just past her Platinum Jubilee. Um, the Prince of Wales is now King Charles III. She is the, I believe, the the longest serving monarch, male or female, in the history of that country. And I remember um, when I was a kid, and by the way, a very good friend who I have waited too long to have back on the podcast, Alex Getz, will be along shortly. Um, I actually needed Alex for our for my, my PSA show that runs Sunday mornings across our community, uh, across our Cumulus cluster. And uh, I was short a guest this week and I didn't want to have to rerun something. So Alex was kind enough to hop on to talk about some projects he has. Uh, it's more fitting for the podcast discussion than it is for like that community show contact. But Alex does, Alex does things of note in our community, and I think that's, and I'm just justifying, I'm, I'm rationalizing why it was okay to put him on that show instead of just me going, hey, my friend's on today. It's that, but it's more than that. Alex will be along shortly. When I was a kid, learning about European history, and I, you get like the peripheral stuff um, when you're in, in middle school, I guess. In high school, I think it was 10th grade, I think his name was Mr. Boyd. I had European history. Mr. Boyd dictated the entire class like we had to write down everything he said to this day i don't know why that happened the trade-off for that painful work and he was uh he wasn't uninteresting he wasn't theatrical but it was it was fine we knew what we went into that class like it was you were gonna have to be engaged because you had to write um it was hell when you missed the class so the trade-off for the monotony of writing every word down and hearing about the gruesome things that ha- happened during the French Revolution, and I'll get to the Queen part, like the reign of terror and the beheadings, which I found rather interesting, if you know my my morbid curiosity. The trade-off for having to write all that shit down was he never changed his tests year to year. So people who had had his class before our 10th grade class just gave us the answers and all we had to do was make sure we all didn't get the same ones right and wrong um so that was that we don't know enough about european history but the things i think we do learn are like all the monarchs are really really bad so when i was a little when i was younger i was i thought very poorly of the queen i thought she was like an evil monarch and then i got older and realized she just loves corgis and waving so, um, I, our friend Philip, who now lives over there, I texted him this morning, uh, and, and he hadn't seen the news. He's like six hours ahead of us and this was 7am and I saw that she was very ill and this seemed a different kind of very ill than in the past, the way these things, the way the news was worded. Um, I let him know and he said, I'm coming home. What? 
And as you know now, she has passed away at the age of 96. Philip still said he's coming home. And he made he, he made it, it made a lot of sense. Uh, he said, do you know how many people are going to come here? I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, that. that's a very small, narrow island. Like, London is extremely dense. Um, and to add a more um, understandable perspective, what the celebration of life and goodbye to her will be will dwarf the global interest, which is already enormous, where it is the women's version of March Madness, like the first two days of the tournament, how everybody's watching their bracket. The women, the female version of that, and more than just women watch it, just as more than just men follow the basketball tournament. Um, like the world stops for, for people for a royal wedding. Um, it will be 10 times that, if not more, when whatever procession or goodbye she receives. And I haven't seen a date set for that, and there probably hasn't been one yet. It's, you know, too soon. But that day... The Super Bowl is probably not the most watched event on Earth. Like 110, 100 million people watch it, but that's mostly just here. The World Cup Final, which is actually happening this fall in Qatar, which I guess they restrict alcohol very heavily and will fine you greatly for bringing it into the country. Um, the World Cup Final might be the most watched program and that's only every four years the most watched teleport uh, telecast and, that, and that's only every four years um i i i don't know global viewing otherwise but i would imagine that saying goodbye to the queen whenever this happens will be or could be the most watched telecast in human history i could be way wrong but i don't think so at this um you know, I'm a, I'm a believer in karma. And by the way, the reason we haven't had a podcast till today is uh, money we were off. Tuesday and Wednesday were kind of hairy. There was a lot of stuff going on. That's why I just today got Sunday's uh, guest for contact. And um, I've been pretty miserable. And when I'm miserable, um, it's hard to create thoughts. And there hasn't been a whole lot of things to talk about. Today, there there is the kickoff of the library levy where I saw Alex earlier today. Uh, it's not a new tax. For every $1 that goes towards the library, $3 uh, is what they produce out of that. So I think I got that math right. It's very important that we keep the library levy going. Again, it's not a new tax. The library is an incredibly important fulcrum of not just content, but this entire community, the city and beyond. I'm a karma person. I don't think there's a direct connection here, but there's a connection. Um, my neighbor is a woman who has written some poorly worded emails. Not mean by any means, but some questionable punctuation and like, what are you trying to convey? I don't have any issues with her. She's very quiet and I hope that you know anything I do is not disrupting her. She has like a 20-something son. And I have heard him having sex a single-digit number of times, including maybe early Sunday morning. 
I think she's away and he's watching her house. So last night, beautiful night. Our patios are connected uh, and and divided by just a very simple wooden fence about seven feet tall, but it's not blocking anything. You can see stuff and whatever else. Well, her son and some girl whose vape had run out were out on their patio playing music with no bass, but still very loudly and talking loudly and whatever, just being their age. Fine, have at it. They're clearly going to wear that, you know, we can all hear everything, where you are and what you're doing um, with where we live. It was so loud. I was in my bedroom, a second bedroom, doing my puzzle, which is over the patio, my patio. I closed the door and was listening to a podcast on my phone, and I still heard them, their music and their their cackling. And I, and I was, because of my mood, I was in no mood to confront or ask for them to turn it down. So, um, I used my sound bar for evil. Um, I... I flipped on the Avengers and I turned it up really loud and I went back upstairs to continue doing my puzzle and I could feel it upstairs. So they definitely heard it. And whether it was just coincidence where they got the hint within about 15 minutes of that movie playing, they stopped. I, I, it was childish. It was petty. I don't do things like that ever. Rarely, totally out of character for me, but I'm, I think I'm allowed one of those a year. And it was last night. Um, this morning, some of that karma might have come back around. So I arrive um, downtown on Adam Street. I park. I'm walking to the library uh, for the library levy kickoff event. And uh, I'm at a stop sign. For, I, I'm pretty certain... Not 100%, but like 94% certain Adams in whatever street that was, was a four-way stop. This truck was slowing down, but not enough to make you think they were going to stop. So I kind of stuttered as I was a third of the way across the street. They stopped, and then I, you know, jogged the rest of the way, which was no more than like 10 yards, 15 yards. Um, The idiot, also cowardly fucking asshole... Uh, had rolled down his window and said, hey, mister, nice ass. And it wasn't in a complimentary way. Um, I would have at least given a look or said something, but as I said, cowardly, and just they continued to drive off. Perhaps that's what I get for uh, my petty behavior last night. Um, a friend of five years who I met at uh, like nearly five years ago as we're about to hit the five-year anniversary to an incredibly vital and maybe the most integral event, um, thing that happened to help get me here where I am. Uh, my summer five years ago where I was unemployed, I put a pin and circled that pin and said, this is going to be an integral, if not the only key to how I want to proceed and what I want to pursue. You'll hear us talk about it 
as I now get to my friend Alex Getz. It is uh, a pleasure, and I apologize for it taking so long for me to have uh, my good friend now. We're coming up on our, our five-year friend anniversary. You know that, right? Oh, no, I didn't know that. But we um, should celebrate. We, we, we can. We will, we will get Manhattan. We will have Christy Frank make us some Manhattans. Um, Got we'll, it. We'll come back to Christy in a second. This is my friend Alex Getz, a local wildlife filmmaker, filmmaker and documentarian. Did I get that right? Yeah, it's good. Okay. Um, Alex and I met um, five years ago. We were both very fortunate um, to do a TEDx Toledo. Uh, each of us did a, a presentation, and I see that there's another one. They're back this year after a couple of years away. Uh, one's coming up on Thursday. Yeah, that you're right. That is our anniversary. Um, the short version of, uh, of us connecting was Alex, who has been all over the planet in some very dangerous situations, which we'll touch on here shortly. Um, Alex was, was scared to get up and talk in front of 50 Toledoans. I was like, dude, you have like been near sharks. These Toledoans who have some beverages are nothing to be afraid of. It's still intimidating, man. To talk, to I do, wish, yeah. To do I, public I speaking? I need to get a little bit better. Yeah, I need to get a little bit better. I need to hang out with you more. Um, I'll just get you a couple more whiskeys and you'll be good to go. The liquid courage. Yeah. So I wanted to have Alex on to talk a little bit about what he does. In fact, Alex is, is a great lens to see the area. And it, the ironic thing is here, um, Alex is, and I've told you this before, Alex is not well known in the area per se, but people across the planet know you and your work for what you for what you do. So what is what is exactly what you do in, in running wild media? Yeah, so we produce wildlife film content um, and do photography as well. So we work with a number of wildlife and conservation organizations around the world to produce media for them that help any of their story needs per se or their conservation needs. Um, and then on top of that, a new kind of foray we've found ourselves in is doing actual work on broadcast content um and so that's where you and i have been chatting recently about uh we just had something featured on disney plus for yeah. national geographic um tell me uh, about this project and i have all kinds of questions about how successful it was and not that i have i i have not lauded you enough for the work that you do but i think you know that i think what you do is is absolutely incredible and i wish you had more notoriety around here where people are like hey that's the uh that's the running wild guy. He's got stuff on like all the streaming channels. We're working on it. We're going to change. We're going to change some things. I yes. think that our goal is to become a little bit more involved in the local community because I think that we have some amazing like natural areas as well as wildlife here that people don't get to normally see. And so we're hoping to, to kind of uh, get more involved in that, that field. It's hard to do that when people in you were in indonesia right yeah when, when yeah. people it's hard to do that when you go away for a month <laughs> to another country and they're paying you really really well although before we wrap up this discussion i will have alex tell you about southwick turkeys um <laughs> yeah. but yeah tell me because i know you have you have had uh you've talked with all kinds of producers and people um from years ago before there was a million streaming channels you you've you've been in contact with people at netflix and had discussions with them about projects but um tell me a little bit about some of those discussions where they've been and then walk me up to how you got this great project on on disney plus with a a legendary um talent who did the voiceover yeah so um i don't even know how to begin the journey 
Um, I think during COVID times, you know, a lot of producers were looking for for camera people closer to some of the American locations that we have here. I mean, we have some pretty amazing national parks in the United States. And if you get the opportunity to go to any of them, you'll see just just how impressive they really are. Um, I got to spend six weeks in Badlands National Park uh, in South Dakota last year filming for America's National Park, which is the program on Disney Plus right now. Um, and Garth Brooks, you know, America's voice. Who would have known? Uh, he was the narrator of the series. How how did this all come about? I know you, you mentioned that uh, places were looking for content. Um, and again, you've been all over the world. Uh, the Badlands, if anybody would know of that, it might be because of uh, it's a place that maybe uh, forged Teddy Roosevelt. Um, what was it like being out there and, and what's it like doing what you do when you're, you're out there? I know you've told me about some of your things in, in like Africa and there's some scary situations, but you know how to stay safe. What's it like in these environments to get this kind of content? I will say, uh, U S national parks are a little bit safer than Africa. <laughs> yes. If you're doing things, if you do things right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So six weeks there is a long time. Uh, basically they gave us a list. They're like, here's some stories that we're hoping to tell from Badlands. Uh, can you guys go out and find these? And so some of the things that you see in the episode, like Prairie Dogs, uh, we filmed with those. We filmed the cliff swallow scenes. And then we did a lot with Bighorn Sheep. Um, yeah, I mean, it was fun. In these national parks, I mean, you're kind of avoiding like the tourism of it all. Mm -hmm. But a place like Badlands National Park has so much wildlife that you wouldn't expect. Um, and, you know, we tried to get a whole sequence about rattlesnakes hunting mm -hmm. prairie dogs. Uh, our tactic to find them was walk in this field until you find a rattlesnake. And so we just walk around for hours <laughs> hoping we don't step on a rattlesnake, but hoping that we'd find one so we could film a little scene with it. Um, so, fortunately and unfortunately, I guess we didn't find them. So like a production com company reaches out to you when, when this all first began, did you have any idea that it would wind up on maybe the most, well, outside of Netflix, maybe the most well-known streaming property. And, and you're basically like two clicks away from like an Avengers movie. That's one of the biggest movies of all time. Yeah, I guess I haven't really thought about it that way. That's how I thought. Um, about it. That, that's how I thought about it. Like, did you have any idea it would be where it is now when the contact first happened? I mean, they said it would be there, but until you see it, mm -hmm. you kind of forget that, like, oh, this is going to be on something almost everybody's going to have access to. Mm -hmm. um, you never know what the final episode's going to really look like, so it's always like this nail-biting moment where you're like, do I promote this? Like, did my sequences actually make it into the episode? Um, and so I was really eager to see what made it, and I'm really I'm glad with what we saw because I think, I don't know, maybe about a third of the episode is footage that we shot, which is pretty exciting. Um, but, yeah, so I think, I mean, we it's National Geographic. It's like right. the place that we all aspire to go to. So that's the dream. I mean, it is one of the, the brands that I think, I, I don't know if, if Gen Z is familiar with that as we are, but it was one of those iconic magazine brands like it and Sports Illustrated and Reader's Digest. When we were growing up, like these were all things that we would see at restaurants and doctor's offices and you look at them and then you look at the National Geographic photos and you're just in awe and you get to see a lot of these things and take these pictures and take these videos of, of those of, of this great planet. 
Yeah, it's pretty amazing to think about. I mean, I'm really fortunate. I get to work with some pretty amazing people. Uh, my film partner, Justin Grubb, gets to go and do these shoots with me as well. And he's an amazing, talented wildlife photographer who does a lot of underwater work. Um, we're really lucky. I mean, it's the dream for sure. So I open up my Disney Plus. I navigate over to, to the National Ge- Geographic part. And, and what, what, what am I looking for? America's National Parks. Okay. And then you go select that. And the Badlands episode is the episode that we shot quite a bit for. Um, let's go backwards a little bit before we, we first hooked up and I started to hear where you have been. Tell me some of those, tell me a story that you might've told me like four or five years or so ago. And I was just in awe that you were, you were afraid to do public speaking because of some of the settings you have been in during your time doing this. I mean, I don't, it's so easy to like brush these off now. Cause like things that are, I think, unusual to normal people are not really unusual to me anymore. But I think, I don't know. My wife says everybody loves these stories. Uh, we do. We do. The, the story that comes to mind that people seem to like the most is in Africa with this leopard. Uh, we were camping one night in an area that had quite a few leopards. And in the middle of the night, I was sleeping in a tent on the ground in the middle of a national park. Uh, I had to use the bathroom. And I got up and I unzipped my tent and I heard growling back to me. And I just like immediately zipped up my tent and laid back down and I was just laying there. My heart was racing. And then after like, I don't know, it felt like forever. Loud purring Mm -hmm. was just like going around my tent and then eventually just like walked off. And I was like, I could have just... I could have gone out there and peed and it would have been a a pretty bad situation. Did you see, did you see the animal? I didn't see it that night, but I mean, we did see a lot of leopards. So Uh, um, they're there. What is, what's the most jaw dropping encounter um, you've had where you had the opportunity to shoot a scene or an animal, a creature, whatever it may be. And maybe you've seen it in videos or in pictures, but then you got to see it up close or in your in your camera lens, and 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 it was just beyond anything you could have expected. Oh man, I don't know. Uh, I mean, seeing wolves in the United States is always a pretty amazing sight. They're so hard to come by, and we've been really lucky to spend I think two winters out in Yellowstone searching for wolves to film. And I mean, when you see a pack of 20-something wolves come running down a mountainside, it's it's a pretty amazing sight to see. Um, Why are they hard to come across? I mean, if you don't go out to Yellowstone in the winter, they just get lost in the foliage of the National Park. Um, and they blend in so well. But once the snow falls, you can actually see the wolves on the snow. And so, I don't know, Yellowstone's just not a huge tourist destination in the winter because temperatures get to like negative 40. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to be a little bit cold hardy. Yeah. This um, is why I, I, I don't take you up on any of your, or your offers because the conditions are often grueling. <laughs> it's fun though. When you've got the right gear, like negative 40 parka, negative 40 boots and pants. <laughs> and then you just lay in the, you lay in the snow and you enjoy the sights. Yeah. No, thanks. Uh, I'll lay in sand when it's like 104. I won't do the cold weather with, predators around me what talk and i know i've asked you this uh before and i think you said one of the things that that's key to sitting around waiting for animals to happen in places where you're hundreds of miles from a walmart or taco bell i think you said peanut butter is important what's the experience like just sitting and waiting and and i mean 
like you talked about going to the bathroom. Like you're not in an apartment. Um, you're not in a uh, in a trailer. You're out in the middle of nowhere, literally. So what's the experience like? I mean, you gotta get creative. Uh, maybe not with the food choices, but the bathroom choices. Um, yeah, I mean, we, I don't know, we live pretty uh, simple lives when we're out in the field eating a lot of just peanut butter sandwiches and hummus and carrots and things like that. But, but you, you've got to plan for foods that you can't refrigerate and will have to last a long time, right? Yeah, I mean, lots of granola bars and stuff. You know, it's not the most uh, like sexy cuisine when you right. go to a lot of these places. Like what in a- Indonesia, we eat rice and vegetables every single meal for like two weeks. That, you know, I, I could do that. Why, why didn't you invite me to Indonesia? I mean, it was rough, man. The The humidity was rough. And then we had to do like a five-hour hike straight up a mountain with all these camera gear. And I mean, once you sweat, you don't stop sweating the entire trip. Fair like enough. You are just, you are damp the entire time. What about um, like brushing your teeth or um, bathing and things like that? I mean, you just kind of stop bathing, but brushing, <laughs> brushing your teeth is in a necessity. I feel like right. Uh, you what, figure it out. What 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 were you doing out in Indonesia? And besides the the hiking up the mountain and the humidity, what else is memorable about the experience? I didn't think I could get culture shock anymore, uh, but I'd never been to any country in Asia, and so going over to Indonesia was a totally different experience than anything I've ever had. Um, and not knowing any of the language is definitely tricky. Uh, we're currently working on a short film about a species of bird that is being poached for its beak. And its beak is actually really valuable in the black market as a sign of wealth. And so we're following a former poacher who is now protector of the species of bird and telling his story um, about how passionate he is now to actually be saving these birds. What is, what, what's the species? I can't give away everything, man. Oh, okay. Shooting. Fair but enough. We got to do, yeah, we got to do some tree climbing. We're going to be climbing some like rainforest, gigantic trees to be setting up camera traps and things like that so that we can film these birds like throughout their, you know, day-to-day lives. Let's switch up a little bit. Um, I know, I was it, I think it was in early 2021 or late 2020 where we, uh, we had coffee at plate 21 one of the plates and you were telling me about something that was going to happen at the library system um a presentation uh a great setup for running wild media but it didn't happen i think because of covid stuff was my timeline right on that yeah this has been three years in the making okay uh we started planning this pre-covid not knowing that a global pandemic was going to happen who thought you know who would have thought right uh and uh yeah, so we're doing a takeover of the Toledo Lucas County Public Library, the main branch downtown Toledo, um, starting October 6th through the end of November. We'll have a wildlife photo exhibition that features some stories from different trips that we've gone on, as well as just some wildlife photos of different encounters we've had. And then we'll be doing uh, film screenings throughout the month of October, as well as um, October 10th, we will have an insect eating event. I'm sorry? An insect eating event. We will have bugs that are part of common cuisines in different parts of the world. And you get to try them. Uh, And then at the end, there'll be like a little ice cream bar where the toppings will be little candied ants and different insects. 
This is not going to go over well. You know, we live in a tacos and, and like margarita town. Like I, I, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'm uh, I'm trying to promote it because I'm I'm nervous. <laughs> have okay, tell me some of the insects and have you eaten any of them? I haven't eaten any of this specific ones. I'll say that whoever comes to this will be a little spoiled. Uh, I mean, these are going to be like nice insects to consume, <laughs> but it'll go from pretty tame, which is like like cooked ants, which probably won't taste like much all the way up to like a grub what's grub will be like a thick worm okay um, um you know more like survivor-esque have have you ever met my friend my my friend josh or my engineer i don't think so i don't think i have um josh actually recently got back from the uh, from the philippines so he is quite oh, nice he is quite an adventurer um he also is adventurous when it comes to eating uh, he has dug in for all kinds of, I know this is tame compared to insects, but like octopus, but I'll have to ask him if he would be interested in the insect eating, in the insect eating contest. It's not a contest. It's just come RSVP, <laughs> bring your friends. And then like, we're going to have a little presentation and these little samples of different meat, like little treats you can have. Like, it's just an enjoyable night, you know, bring uh, him. You should come. Which and not, we will eat bugs together. Well, I will watch you and maybe Josh eat. I'll watch Josh eat. What, what night again is this event? October 10th. October 10th. Um, I'm going to throw it on my calendar actually right now. Main branch of the library, right? Yeah, so that's the insect eating event. October 6th, that's the opening night of the exhibition, the wildlife photo exhibition. And then that same evening, we'll be showing a premiere of our short film, Hellbent, um, about an endangered species of salamander in a community in Pennsylvania fighting off a fracking injection well that's threatening their water supplies. You know, if I didn't know you, I'd think that that was a completely made-up thing. I know, isn't it weird? Where wait, wait till you see a hellbender in person sometime. They're pretty insane salamanders. I will look them up. Uh, where, in Pen- huge. where in Pennsylvania was this? Uh, Fork, uh, uh, Grant Township. It's along kind of the Appalachian Trail. A lot of the the hellbender salamanders, these like foot long salamanders, live kind of along the Appalachia area. I just looked it up. It's an it's an it's an ugly looking thing. Snot otter is a name for it. Yeah, yeah. old lasagna sides. Uh, I'm trying since people are listening right now. It looks like uh, it looks like a fat snake mixed with a fish. It's very ugly. I, I'm sorry. Um, Google image it. There's something to be uh, marveled at. Is this like when uh, someone once told me, my my old friend Megan told me, uh, my current friend Megan, told me to Google (laughs) wet koala and you'll never look at koala bears the same way ever again? You should Google um, owl legs. Owl. Whoa. These things are even uglier than the Wikipedia picture. Jeez. And what do you want me to look up now? Owl legs. Owl legs. So I, I like owls. I love um, owls. Owl legs. Uh, while I look this up, do you want to give a quick shout out to uh, some of the people were, who have done this event with you? Um, like uh, like our Manhattan loving friend, Christy Frank? Yes. So the photo exhibition is going to feature a number of my photos, uh, my film partner, Justin Grubbs, as well as a local Toledo wildlife photographer, Christy Frank, who has worked on some projects with us as well. And then I got to remember the exact date. Um, she will also be doing a screening of her film Ploverville during the month of October. 
which people will hopefully remember from the uh, very rare birds that decided to make a nest out at Mommy Bay. Correct. Yeah. So she did a whole documentary, an awesome documentary about it. Um, October 20th at 6 p.m. at the downtown library. She will be showing that film again. Excellent. Um, Christy Frank, Alex Getz, Justin Grubbs. um, Before we... We'll come to we'll get we'll, we'll do the need to knows uh, where people can find your stuff real simply and follow along um, as we wrap up. But before we get there, tell me tell me about turkeys at Southwick because I think this is a great story and one of those things that you know that many people do not know about our area beyond just like some of the incredible parts of the nature in the metro parks. Yes, I think anybody who lives in the Southwick area probably knows this gang of turkeys, <laughs> um, but everybody outside of it doesn't uh so there's a whole uh, what's i don't even know the the collective term for a turkey group there's a whole gang of turkeys in southwick gobbledygook a gobbledygook um that i have filmed for the past few years uh for cbs sunday mornings thanksgiving um air i guess their tv show um yeah they're amazing they're they hang out at brook park brookwood metro park and then they spill out into the neighborhood and jump through everybody's lawns and run around people's front yards. It's pretty pretty fun. And people can't go into that park, but the turkeys can, as you just said, come to where you live, right? Correct, yeah. And I mean, oak, uh, not oak openings, but they do. Wildwood has a group of turkeys as well that people have been seeing quite regularly as well. Um, but I mean, at one point in time, early 1900s, there were almost no turkeys in Ohio. People had hunted them all, and they were near extinction here in the state. And recent conservation efforts in the past, you know, 75, 50 years have brought them back. Um, last question before yeah. all the all the socials and stuff. What is something else besides turkeys that people uh, might overlook as far as nature and animals here in our area um, that is actually right under their nose? Mm, the owls, man. We were talking about how much we love owls. We have so many different species of owls here in Northwest Ohio. They're really tough to find, but you could definitely find them in the metro parks. And when you do find them, they're a pretty amazing sight to see. and Get to witness kind of their lives is is pretty amazing. They uh, they're 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 predators, right? They're they're not like as friendly as they they might come off, right? Yeah, they're not they're not bothered by people very much. But yeah, they're they're predators. They're like. I don't know, silent tree cats or something, you know, winged tree cats. You know what I, I, I like, uh, and this will be, I, you don't know this, but other people are getting familiar with it. Anytime I say one last question, there's three more. This <laughs> okay. is the second one. Um, tell me about bats here. Cause I like bats and I am a, a bat apologist and bat advocate for a couple of reasons. They get a bad rap thinking that every bat has rabies when actually most don't. And then two, um, I know they're being killed off by some type of, some type of like white cancer thing. Yeah. The white nose syndrome that yes. is hitting bats pretty hard. Um, yeah. I don't think it's as much of a concern here in Northwest Ohio, but over in Northeast Ohio, it is a really big problem in places like Cuyahoga Valley National Park. Where, but, go oh, ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, where, where can you find bats here? Not that people want to look, like search them out because they're so frightened by them, but they're really nothing to be afraid of. They're annoying if you get in the house, but they're actually quite easy to dispose of because they're always sleeping. 
Yeah, they're pretty amazing. I wish they were easier to film. They're really tough. But uh, I just learned about this program actually this year from Metro Parks Toledo. They offer a bat monitoring program throughout the summer. And so I actually toured uh, Wildwood Metro Park at night doing bat monitoring surveys. And it was actually one of the most beautiful Metro Parks Toledo experiences I've had in the Toledo area. So I highly recommend that for anybody who just wants something new to do on an evening during the week. Invite me to that. Yeah, man, let's do it. Now you know I like bats a whole lot, so I'm all in for that. We, we can do it next year. I, I think that they might be wrapped for this year, though. Um, are, are, there, are there a lot of bats in this area in general? Yeah, but I mean, we could use more, you know? There's, their populations are all decreasing just because they're losing habitat. Right. Um, but, you know, the metro parks and the other wild areas around here are great refuges for them. People hate mosquitoes, but you know what? Love mosquitoes. Bats. You know, let's they, get they, as many bats as we can. They eat them? And yeah, they love to eat mosquitoes. Uh, I did read uh, not, not that long ago that the mosquito is like the most useless creature on earth. They're pretty frustrating, man. The <laughs> fact that they, them and ticks, the fact that they can actually transmit diseases is, right. is pretty frustrating. And a lot of things can, but if there were no mosquitoes, bats would find something else to eat. Like, they bring no ecological benefit whatsoever to the planet. I mean, they're a great food source for things like bats. Without them, I think that we would lose a lot of, you know, our flying predator-type species like bats and different types of birds and things like that. Fair they're, enough. They're... They are useful, just not to humans. Right. Okay. Um, all right. Thanks for the time. How can people uh, follow your stuff, watch more of your things, stay in touch with you? Um, I know you're sending out press releases now. Do you do a newsletter or anything like that? We're working on that as well. But yeah, follow us at Running Wild Media on Facebook and Instagram or on our website, runningwild.media. Um, check out the Toledo Lucas County Public Library's website to see all the details and all the events we're doing in October. And then if you're interested in just following me personally, um, find me on Instagram at A-G-O-E-T-Z film, Agets film. And you also live in the South Toledo if they really want to follow you. Yeah, if you really want to follow me, you might find me wandering around the streets of South Toledo. Yeah. Or in the liquor or in the liquor store at the Kroger on Glendale in Detroit. Don't give away my secrets. <laughs>